Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another day. We're getting you prepped for Thursday Night Football as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 471. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my buddy Ross Tucker. Three big topics going into Thursday night. We've got the blitz package from Minnesota. How are the Eagles going to navigate that? Justin Jefferson, how are the Eagles going to stop uh, the, the one of the top pass catchers in the entire NFL? And also a question from you at home having to do with the Eagles' offensive philosophy from a personnel standpoint. So a good question there from one of our listeners. After that, we've got Faux Focus, where Sean Syed returns to talk through the Minnesota Vikings. What are their strengths and weaknesses going into this game? What is that, that coaching staff most worried about and most confident in going into the battle against the Birds on Thursday Night Football? After that, we've got some more analysis from our Eagles game plan crew. John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, and Greg Cosell got some great news and nuggets there from those four to wrap up the program. Now, before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, as always, head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, make sure you're subscribed. If you have got a question for us, now's the time. Look, you know we're on two, three episodes a week now on this steady flow. If you've got a question about the Eagles... I'm recording podcasts like every other day. So all you have to do is go on. You leave the question there. We'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. I answered a great question from one of our listeners in the episode with Greg earlier this week. So jump on Apple Podcasts, leave us a question in the comment box, and we will uh, answer it here in an upcoming episode. Uh, Also, make sure you go check out, uh, dude, I'm working on right now, an opponent preview piece on the Minnesota Vikings before Thursday night's game. We're going to talk through uh, this blitz package from Brian Flores. What stands out about it? How did they mess with Baker Mayfield uh, on on Sunday, and what are they going to try and do against Jalen Hurts here on Thursday night? So make sure you go check out that article. Should be up right around when you're listening to this on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. That said, let's go chat with Ross Tucker. It's time now for three and out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop! Slay second pick of the game! Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, back once again uh, here with us for three and out, my friend Ross Tucker. Ross, uh, back for episode two. Uh, you were so good last week. That we said, you know, what? we'll we'll bring him back. <laughs> Thank you, Fran. I'm glad I didn't get fired after week one from <laughs> from doing this show with you. Uh, it was uh, very good responses on social media. A lot of people excited. You'll be on the podcast uh, weekly. Obviously, we've got uh, my conversations with Greg uh, as well every single week, and we're going to continue to bring on a rotation of guests, but excited to have you on every single week for uh, one topic from you, one topic from me, and one topic from our listeners. Now, we were able to still solicit uh, even on the short week, but before we get to the listener topic, uh, you and I can go first here, and I'll lead things off. To me, one of the things I'm most fascinated about, and I said it earlier, I'm going to be writing about uh, this Brian Flores blitz scheme uh, here going into this game, uh, Gross, because I think I think when you look at the way that they played, number one, it was really fun going back and watching that film, what they were able to do to Tampa Bay and to Baker Mayfield, especially in the first half of that game uh, on third down. I mean, it was just wave after wave after wave of basically the same pressure look but different combinations and uh, different outcomes in terms of like who was dropping, how often they blitz. Cause honestly, they didn't blitz all that much from that look. And that's kind of what was fascinating about it, man, because uh, you know, you, you go to the line of scrimmage, it's third down and you've got that double mug look, right? Which they lined up in that double mug look 
tw- uh, 12 times the 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 uh, the most in the NFL in week one. Next most was, was Atlanta with five. So you're saying like, all right, like they did it so much, but they only blitzed three times out of those looks, which is fascinating, right? Because they still actually led the league in blitz rate, right? So the, the, the fact that they're they're showing these pressure looks on third down, not blitzing out of it, but then on first and second down, they're still blitzing the crap out of the quarterback, right? So uh, you're just always guessing when you're going up against this team. That's kind of what Brian Flores is known as. He, yeah. he really is. It's interesting because even just talking with some other coaches around the league, you know, empty set is a set where it makes it really hard for the defense to disguise where they're coming from. Think about it. You got five receivers out there. So you're going to have someone covering over all of them. How do you disguise the blitz? I mean, it's, it's really difficult to do. And yet, Flores is considered one of the best at doing it. He, he's still able to just be able to bring pressure from different places and still have coverage on the back end where he wants it. I can speak from experience, Fran, as an offensive lineman. You know, when you have those linebackers up in the A-gap, sometimes it's your responsibility, sometimes it's not. You know, typically on the front side, you'll have a back there who will have to pick them up. You know, if, if you're on the back side, though, that, that might be where you're sliding and, and and the linebacker might be involved. It just gives you, Fran, something to think about. Yep. It just puts you in a situation where you're not just locked in on the D lineman that you're going to be pass protecting against the D lineman. You're going to be blocking. You have something else spinning around your head. Like whether it's like, is this my guy? Is this not my guy? You know, and then the back, right? Maybe they want the back to free release. Maybe they want the back to chip. Well, he's got to be concerned first and foremost about that a gap on either side of the center if that's his responsibility. So he's looking at that guy first before he has eyes or is able to go do the other thing, whether it's chip or go out or whatever he's trying to do. And so I think it's a smart move by the Vikings. If you can do it and not feel like you're losing stuff in coverage in terms of being able to get back into your zone or cover the guys you need to cover. If it does nothing else other than get a bunch of the offensive players thinking or aware and even if you only do bring them three times that's still you know 30 percent of the time right so um i i think it's smart and i think it's one of the reasons why flores was brought in to minnesota and i would say so far so good i mean their defense was much better against the bucks than they were really most of the year last year so have you seen what teams have started to do? You know, obviously the, the, the double A gap stuff has been around for a long time. Uh, you know, so teams have started to uh, figure out, okay, these are going to be, uh, this is our plan of attack to defend against it. Um, but one thing we've seen a lot, and it's increasing in recent years, is where teams are not, the running back is almost always involved, but taking the running back and essentially instead of having him side saddled to the quarterback in the shotgun, like putting him almost like mugged up behind the guard and centers, like they didn't really do that, I don't think, uh, when you played. Uh, what would be your thought if you had like a running back like basically two feet behind you uh, getting ready to go into your pass set? Well, hopefully you've done it enough that you're not thinking about it or it's not something that distracts you. I think that makes sense, by the way, because what you don't want to have is a running back 
having to try to stone a linebacker who's got a five-yard run at them, right? I mean, if you don't put those guys up close to the line of scrimmage, Fran, you essentially will probably have a linebacker with a five-yard sprint and momentum and a running back who's stepping up and hopefully trying to meet him at about four yards of depth. But you because they're the linebacker has more force, you want them to try to meet as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. So if the back gets knocked back, he's not knocked back right into the into the quarterback's lap. And then the that's like the upside of it. The downside of that as well is that now you're basically removing the running back from having any kind of like uh receiving uh impact at all because uh he's gonna get clogged up in that protection, whether the linebackers come or not. Uh, sometimes you'll see them being able to release uh up through the middle next to the center, but uh sometimes it gets so congested in there that that guy ultimately gets taken out of the progression. Um I want to ask you, because when you go into a confusing blitz scheme, you're going up against a defensive coordinator. Obviously, you're spending all week preparing for that scheme. And oh, this is this is going to be our this is this is our plan. This is plan A, plan B. Obviously, I'm sure it changed from team to team, but how quickly did you shift from plan A to plan B? Did you try and mix things up or did you say, hey, you know what? These are our rules going into the game. We're going to stick to it until they make us, you know, kind of change our plan. Well, so you normally stick with your rules, but What's interesting about the NFL is you get to the first third and long or the first, you know, obvious passing situation. And that's when you see there, you know, we used to call it the blitz of the week. Yeah. Right. Like they usually came up with something for that week that they thought was their best blitz, their best way to get home. And so you go over the sideline after that series and the coach will draw it up and say, look, this is their blitz of the week. So you see that in the NFL a decent amount where, like, the first series, there's, like, a blitz where the quarterback just gets smoked or a guy comes free. And then after that, they go over, okay, here's what they're doing. The nose is going this way. The strong safety is doing this. or The linebacker is doing this. And then usually now that you've drawn it up one time, you're able to you're able to get that blocked up moving forward. and. You know, they still have other blitzes, but most of the other blitzes they run in that game are ones you've seen then before. They usually only get you once, if at all, quite frankly, with sort of their uh, their blitz of the week, flavor of the week. That's why th- there are no halftime adjustments. I was I just going to say that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the adjustments are made play to play or at worst in between series. Yeah, Jason Kelsey's not saying uh, in between drives. Ah, you know what? We'll wait until we go to the locker room to, to sort this out. <laughs> uh, Let's right, sort go. this out after <laughs> the first series of the game. Let's just wait and sort this out at halftime. Yeah, someone bring me a Gatorade. We'll we'll figure it out in a half hour. Uh, that, that reminds me of uh, Top Gun when like they're trying to get you know uh, Maverick up into the you know into the into the battle. And they're like, when, when will he be ready? And they're like, 10 minutes. And the guy's like, <laughs> bull, whatever. This thing will be over in two minutes. Yeah. You, know, you got to get him out there. Like, waiting for halftime adjustments. This thing will be over by the end of the first quarter if you don't get these adjustments done. Well, uh, speaking of uh, mid-game adjustments, you know that both sides are going to be making adjustments when it comes to your second topic of the week. Uh, take us through what you wanted to discuss. Well, yeah. So I, I think what's really interesting on a bunch of different levels is – the matchup between the Vikings receivers and the Eagles corners, secondary, but I'd say corners in particular. 
from several different standpoints, right? So number one, you know, we all know what Darius Slay did to Justin Jefferson last year. Maybe Slay's finest performance as an Eagle. Maybe maybe Slay's finest performance in the NFL. And I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me. Fran, maybe you're more the stats guy, but I can't imagine Jefferson's had a worse game than that. I mean, when you look at the stats he's put up so far in his in his career, I'm pretty confident that was his his lowest output, his his worst game. So you know he remembers that. You know he's being reminded about that this week. That will be one of the major, you know, topics of conversation, storylines for the game, for Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on Thursday night and all that stuff. So we we know all that. What makes it even more interesting now is it's like multi-layered because, mm. you know, as you and I talk here, Fran, James Bradbury in the concussion protocol would seem to be pretty difficult for him to pass that, yep. you know, for, for a Thursday night game. So now you've got uh, – it looks like Josh Job being the other outside corner opposite Slay. So what 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 does Sean Desai do? Does he have Slay travel with Jefferson? Does he not do that? If he's traveling with Jefferson, how much do they put Jefferson in the slot to try to mess the Eagles up and put Avante Maddox outside then, or you know, put Job in different spots? You know, the, the Vikings have their own new receiver. No more Adam Thielen. They have Jordan Addison. So there's just a lot of different possibilities and machinations of what could happen given not only the Slay-Jefferson dynamic, but now that Nat Bradbury's in the protocol. Yeah, I mean, on Sunday, the, the Eagles played cover one. So, you know, straight man-to-man coverage with a single high safety uh, at a 27% clip, 26.9%. That was the seventh highest rate of any team going into Monday Night Football. And so uh, this is a team that has shown, and we talked about this with Greg, that they're going to mix up their coverages, but they played a little bit more man than what we've seen here in recent years. So I think when you look at it, if, okay, was that the game plan for Sunday against the New England Patriots or was the, is going to change uh, here going into Minnesota? And that was with a healthy Bradbury. Now without uh, potentially a healthy Bradbury, what does that mean for the game plan? Um, you know, when you see, you know, what, how teams approach Justin Jefferson and really uh, any number one receiver, any quality receiver of that ilk, uh, sometimes you might see, okay, you know what? Let's take Darius Slay. Let's put him man to man. Other times you might say, okay, let's take Darius Slay. Let's put him one-on-one with Jordan Addison Take Jordan Addison out of the game, and then we're just going to throw extra bodies at Justin Jefferson. Where all right, you've got Slay locking down Addison one on one, and then you've got a two on one with you know say insert safety and uh, Josh Job or insert safety and Avante Maddox uh, going up against Jefferson. Uh, there's lots of different ways that you can do it. We mentioned the variety of coverages they did. Uh, you know, cover three, cover six, where you're rolling coverage one way. Uh, they played quarters, they played some cover two. So the Eagles really mixed some things up. Uh, I think it will be fascinating to see what this game plan is against Justin Jefferson it's a really good point and honestly over the years that is something that Belichick's done a lot right where if they have a real stud he'll put his best corner on the other guy and just feel like that guy's eliminated and then schematically I'm going to take I'm going to take care of the number one guy I may, I'm trying to remember there was that classic, uh, the mic'd up clip with him talking to Chad Johnson before they played, uh, when he was with the Bengals and 
if I remember right, he said like, yeah, uh, pretty sure it was Revis. I'm butchering this at the moment. He was like, I think Revis is going to be another guy. We're going to have extra. We have a, a safety going your way the entire day. And Chad Johnson like, oh, come on, man. Like, in pregame, he's telling him this. And Chad Johnson is just like pleading with him. Like, no, come on. Uh, you know, don't do me like that. But uh, I think when you look at the, you know, that that has been a successful strategy for some. But again, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So it will be interesting to see what the Eagles ultimate plan is in this game. But again, like Minnesota knows that, right? They know that Justin Jefferson is going to get extra attention. They saw that so much of last year. So they've also devised routes and different concepts to attack those kind of coverage plans as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be certainly a big topic to chew on in this game. You mentioned Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson as well. Ross is a guy that uh, gives them a lot of extra flexibility. He gets moved around the formation so often uh, and his versatility as a pass catcher. That's a, a, a facet that they did not have in this week two battle a year ago. Um, that's a really good point. After they made that trade, that does add a new element to it. And Gesicki and Hunter Henry both uh, made some plays, yep. certainly, for the Patriots in, in that last game. So if you're the Vikings and you watch, the uh, obviously, the Patriots-Eagles game, <laughs> I love that. I just said if you're the if you're the Vikings and, and you watch, yeah, I can assure you they watched. They watched it, it. like a zillion <laughs> times. Okay, like like fifty dudes a million times watched the game. So when they watched it, you probably thought, you know what, uh, Hawkinson might be one of our favorable matchups. Yeah, uh, especially in those empty sets. You know, you watch it like what they were able to do the Patriots with like getting Kendrick Bourne that matched up on Zach Cunningham. You spread everybody out. Uh, the defense goes into a check. Okay, what's the check? Is it cover two? Is it cover three? Uh, all right, now let's attack that coverage or attack this matchup. That's something we've seen the Eagles offense do at such a high rate. I thought Minnesota did a good job with that last week against Tampa. That would be something to watch here in this battle as well. So uh, that'll be something I'm certainly keeping my eye on. Uh, Ross, I've got a, a question here from one of our listeners, and this was uh, from friend of the podcast podcast uh professor deniz selman uh from the university of penn by the way uh the fellow ivy leaguer like yourself there ross um let's go with uh here's the question from deniz eagles 12 personnel was among the most efficient personnel groupings in the nfl last year and the two 12 personnel plays on the first drive were the two most productive plays so why did they stop using it after that, and I think this actually pairs really well with your topic last week, Ross, where you talked about how like week one can be a little wacky. It could be a little weird for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think when you look at this offensive performance overall from the Eagles, certainly it was look, it, it wasn't up to up to their standard, right? It was not up to par. Uh, the offensive line, the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, like the, you're working it out with a new offensive coordinator. Uh, only two touches for DeAndre Swift, zero zero touches for Dallas Goddard. There's a lot that you can kind of pick at there. With five three and outs, there was no flow for much of the game, right? Even the one touchdown drive, that was on a short field, so you didn't have flow with that drive. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you look at it, and I almost don't want to like overreact to personnel usage and like player usage because it's such a it's a tight one game sample. That's exactly right. Now, first of all, this dude, how do you say his first name? Dane is. Dane is. He's incredible. Excellent. I mean, I've um, seen I've seen so many posts from him over the years with the data he has. Oh yeah. I mean, this guy is Dane is. I'm very very impressed by your Eagles fandom and the data that you uh, produce. It's impressive. Number one. Number two. I think it's a good question. Um, listen, I'm surprised that Dallas Goddard wasn't more involved. Yep. Um, watching the tape, I noticed several plays where Goddard was open 
And for whatever reason, either maybe there was pressure or Hertz was looking somewhere else. He didn't get the ball. I mean, even like the fourth down, like he was open, um, wide open. And that would have been an easy first down completion to to clinch the game for the Eagles. So uh, here's what I do know. I do know that the Eagles are smart. I know that Nick Sirianni has said we got to get Goddard and DeAndre Swift the ball more. I believe him. I'm not sure why they went away from it other than what I do notice is that early in games, teams usually have several different personnel groupings they put out there, and then they see how the defense matches up against it. Yep. And then based on how the defense is choosing to match up against certain personnel groupings, they kind of decide what they want to major in for the rest of the game. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, against 12 personnel, they're doing this. Against 11, they're doing this. We think, you know, we're better off being an 11 personnel with three receivers because, you know, they're keeping the linebacker on the field and we got a receiver, whatever it is, right? Like, whatever it is that they end up doing and how they do it. Um, And for whatever reason, Brian Johnson and the Eagles offensive coaching staff um, elected to go away from it. So looking at it, uh, I've got my chart in front of me just from like taking notes from the game. Uh, play three and play four. So you have the the counter run by Gainwell. That was out of base personnel. That went for 16 yards. Uh, the very next play, they're still in 12 personnel. You had the check down to Gainwell that went for eight. Um, they did not go back to 12 personnel for three more drives. It was the first play of the fourth possession, uh, and it was a one-yard run, a counter run play uh, by Gainwell. That was right in the middle of like that stretch of four, three and outs, right? And so, um, again, like not being able to get into that that flow of possession, that flow of the game, you didn't see the multiple uh, the, the base personnel after that until the ninth possession. So you're talking late in the fourth quarter, and even then, that was two back stuff. So you saw like some pony personnel um, where Devontae Smith made some catches, like out of some empty. Uh, then you saw some thirteen late in the game as the Eagles were trying to salt things away. So uh, again, I think it's one of those things. I would I would put this in the bucket of kind of like a, a weird like game flow situational. Like they're not going to every game. Dallas Goddard's not going to come out with zero targets and and DeAndre Swift with two touches, right? Like that's that's not going to be the norm for this Eagles offense. And I would put this the 12 personnel usage in that same kind of bucket there. Totally agree. And in fact, I think there's a pretty good chance both those guys have uh, several touches more against the Vikings because, you know, the one thing I've noticed from Sirianni in his time, he, he's pretty good about that. Like, mm, yep. I mean, they're always going to do what it takes to win and all that stuff, but I feel like he's pretty good if a guy the week before, the couple weeks before, wasn't featured in getting that guy involved early. Like, I'd be, I right now, I would, I'd be all in on Dallas Goddard having a catch on the first or second oh, series God. of this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that uh, uh, being a target for sure. Well, Ross, uh, real quick before we let you go, where, where are you heading this week? Uh, you have college games, you got pro game for CBS. Where, where are you heading this week? Double header. So okay. uh, Saturday night, Vanderbilt at UNLV at Allegiant Stadium, which is cool, nice. an SEC team at Allegiant Stadium. That's on CBS Sports Network. And then Red Eye from uh, Vegas to Boston and Sunday oh. night. The Dolphins, who looked incredible at the Patriots Sunday night, which is awesome for me because I've already watched the Eagles Patriots twice. So I'm already totally prepared. Now, I was watching primarily from an Eagles perspective, 
but I also feel like I have a pretty good idea of the Patriots based on watching that tape. So that I, I love it. I love it when it works out that way for him. It's funny because Greg and I were just talking about this for the podcast, uh, the the one that dropped earlier uh, on yesterday. Because uh, the Eagles, the the Vikings just played the Bucks, and the Bucks are the Eagles' week three opponents. So uh, being able to kind of double dip that way is always good uh, for some inside baseball. Uh, being able to get some of that extra prep done ahead of time. Uh, Ross, this was great as always. Thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's now go to our next discussion. Sean Syed here to talk through the Vikings. Here it's time for folks focus what's this matchup look like from the other side it's time to find out in faux focus all right joining us once again here for our faux focus series he was on the show last year and let's uh, let's bring it back let's run it back almost 365 days to the day sean syed from uh sumer sports you can follow him on twitter at syed scheme sean welcome back to the show Brand, happy to be back. You know, it was a crazy game last year. The Eagles really dominated. It's going to be fun to see what the Vikings are doing this time to change that up. Yeah, as we talked about earlier in this uh, podcast, and then also earlier this week with Greg Cosell, it's a very much a new look Vikings team. As as we will get into this, uh, the the team that the Eagles saw in Week Two last year, very very different on both sides of the football for a lot of reasons. So uh, let's start on offense, led by Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson. Obviously, I'm going to ask you to put on your West Phillips hat, the offensive coordinator. What is your biggest strength? For this team entering this game on offense, what gives you the most confidence in your ability to beat the Eagles at home? Every single week, I know that the Vikings are so thankful that they have Justin Jefferson playing receiver in that offense. Jefferson is a special route runner. He can win in different ways. He demands coverage attention. But the Eagles and Darius Slay were one of the few teams last year that were able to frustrate him. Last year, the Eagles defense threw a few different coverage looks and sent a lot of pressure that forced the Vikings to play on their heels. The difference going into this matchup this year is Cousins first went through a lot of those pressure looks last year and found some patches of aggressiveness. But now the Vikings have TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, who are real playmakers. Those guys walk through the door and give the Vikings a better chance to deal with the defense if Jefferson finds himself covered. Yeah, I mean, that was something we talked about uh, this week with Greg, and it was Ross's point earlier in the show was just, uh, A, like Jordan Addison, you know, uh, is, you know, look, this guy's a first round pick. He had a huge play uh, this past week for an almost 40 yard touchdown. And I mean, last year, a tight end, they, I'm pretty sure Johnny Munt started that game uh, for Minnesota. Uh, you know, you, it's just a huge difference when you're able to factor in TJ Hawkinson and the impact he can have opposite Justin Jefferson. Um, what were some of the things that they have done? You mentioned like the extra attention that they threw his way last year. Year, what are some of the ways that they've been able to kind of navigate through that? Because he's going to see whether it's two man looks or you know rolling coverage his way, like cover six, quarter quarter half. Uh, you know the, the true bracket coverages. What are some of the ways that Minnesota has kind of navigated trying to get him free despite getting that extra attention? I think Kevin O'Connell and the offense they do a good job of motioning Jefferson around and trying to at least get him in situations where it's harder for the defense to double cover them. So if the offense is in an empty set, they have three receivers to one side and two receivers to the other side. They'll put Jefferson on that two receiver side because the defense usually puts their better coverage players to that three receiver side. So sometimes that ends up getting Jefferson in a better matchup. They'll put him in a stack where he can't be pressed. And really the Eagles game last year was an eye-opening experience for the Vikings early on in that Kevin O'Connell time to see, well, some of these teams are really going to challenge us. And it led to them getting Hawkinson and I think really influenced that pick of Jordan Addison because against the Eagles last year, pretty much embarrassed on live TV where they just didn't have a second option. So using, yeah. using different motions, using different shifts, 
getting different formations and hopefully finding other people if the defense is still devoting all those resources to Jefferson. All right, let's go over the other side of the football. Uh, your Brian Flores had new defensive coordinator, uh, much different than the uh, the defensive scheme from a year ago. Uh, what is the biggest strength on defense going into this one? What gives Brian Flores uh, the the most confidence to win this matchup? Brian Flores' defense philosophy is really to solve problems with either aggression or the appearance of aggression. Yep. The Vikings defense will have all these looks where they line up seven guys on the line. They want to scare you into changing your protection up front, and they might send people. They might drop eight guys into coverage. But either way, they want the offenses to respond to them instead of the other way around. And Jalen Hurts faced some pressure last week against New England. So if the Vikings can get after Hurts, they're going to and then maybe find themselves in a better spot this year dealing with that offense. You know, we talked about the the similarities uh, in terms of, look, I mean, Brian Flores came up under Bill Belichick, has spent a lot of time working for him. What are some of the things that you think he can take from what New England tried to do last week? It's going to look a little bit different. You mentioned all the different mug looks and some of those pressure concepts are going to be a little bit different in terms of what Minnesota did. But what are some similarities between what you know Bill Belichick's defensive identity to be and then what Brian Flores brings to the table? I think that Belichick's game plan last year was or last week was really good in that the Patriots were attacking the Eagles. Of course, it was raining, so maybe that made things harder for the Eagles offense. But that just aggressiveness where we want to get you to play on your heels in some sort of way. You know, the Patriots were happy to play those one high safety looks. And, you know, it might be that the Vikings do that again, but it's going to be a little bit different where the Vikings defense maybe not as talented as the Patriots. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how this, this this group is used. Real quickly, I do I do want to ask you just about the back end of that defense, all the different sub packages. I mean, you have your regular nickel. You saw the big nickel there with three safeties, and then they get in some of those dime looks as well. Uh, what's your understanding of what this defensive back rotation is going to look like going into this game? I think that they're gonna they're gonna keep their core players that they had last week. You know, they're they're gonna find different ways to get Harrison Smith across the field. They're gonna pop out players that are look like they're impressing and have them cover the deep half. You know, it's it's a really big question because if you have players that are playing those off coverages in the different looks, it really comes down to after the offensive player catches it, can you tackle that? Yep. And at different points, they were struggling against guys like Mike Evans, who are of course great receivers. But I think that that's a situation where the Eagles are going to feel comfortable going into some of their passing concepts where they're going to have mismatches that favor them. All right, let's go Kevin O'Connell now. You put on your Kevin O'Connell hat. Your biggest concern going into this matchup against the Eagles? You know, Jalen Carter just really popped on film against the Patriots. Milton Williams looked really good. Carter had multiple pressures. He was hurrying the quarterback. And the Vikings go into this game with an injury at center and some issues at guard. So you can drop any pass plays to Justin Jefferson. What if Jalen Carter is just in Kirk's face all day? It might not matter what the coverage looks are and what you're going to do to deal with Justin Jefferson, because if the rest of the defensive line is able to win one-on-one or stunt their way to success, it's going to be a really long day for Minnesota. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to just kind of follow this because this was a theme last week going into the matchup against New England was, hey, you know what? Uh, there's questions on the interior of this New England offensive line and, and a lot of teams around the around the NFL you know, they're, they're hurting for depth uh, up front along the line. Uh, and that is something that the Eagles have obviously put a lot of priority in. And honestly, the, the Vikings, they put a lot of high assets into that offensive line room in the last few years. But still, like you're going to get hurt by depth. Uh, they have, that attrition is real along the offensive line. How much that can impact the game and really kind of derail an offense. Uh, you know, well, we're going to get another example here and see exactly if the Eagles are able to take advantage of that. And it feels like the Eagles are so 
not lucky because they are devoting resources to that defensive line. Howie Roseman obviously cares about building that that front four and front five all the time. Those players, maybe if they're not getting the same amount of sacks as they were last year, just getting after the quarterback, it it just ruins an offense. It changes your plan. It forces you to have to respond to the defense, and it just tips the balance of a game so quickly. Tom, before my last question, I just want to ask you, what's your feel in this run game? I know that the game flow kind of uh, derailed it a little bit in terms of Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. Uh, what's your feel on what the identity is of this run game going into Thursday night? So last year, they were pretty much only running zone scheme where it was not a passive run, but now they're trying to get more vertical. They're trying to attack defenses, run that counter run where you have two people pulling from one side to the other that the Eagles used a bunch against the Patriots. I think I think they're still figuring it out a little bit. You know, obviously just week one of the first the first game, they didn't play a ton in the preseason. So figuring out how we're going to problem solve against different looks, giving the offensive line just more reps of seeing how do we deal with certain defenders, but they do want to be a little bit more aggressive. So they're going to get a second tight end on the field. They want to force the defense to crowd that box, which also is going to lead to better looks for Justin Jefferson because you're not going to always be able to double cover him sure. and then hopefully be able to cover that run. So Kevin O'Connell, I think he wants to find more balance where balance isn't let's run the ball 50% of the time and pass the ball 50% of the time. Instead, just getting into advantageous looks where we can take advantage of your defense if you're going to feel like you need to get into the box against those two tight end looks. John, what's the most pivotal matchup for Thursday Night Football? If James Bradbury is out, I do want to see what is Sean Desai's approach to Justin Jefferson and what does that mean for Hawkinson and Addison? If Addison finds himself on the Eagles' third cornerback, I would expect the Vikings to try to attack that matchup. Again, we said he's already shown that game-breaking ability against Tampa Bay on that long touchdown, and a deeper set of Vikings skill players should mean more of a challenge for the Eagles' secondary. So that's my most interesting matchup, but the bigger question is going to be, if the Vikings offensive line can protect right. long enough to try some of those deep shot plays. Yeah. And it's all it takes is one, right? You know, one of those things to pop and then it busts the game open. So uh, the Eagles will certainly have to make sure that they've got uh, all their, uh, their T's crossed and their eyes dotted going into that one. If James Bradbury is on the sideline. So uh, Sean, outstanding stuff as always. Again, make sure you're following Sean on Twitter at Syed schemes. It's not just Viking stuff, some great football X's nose discussion consistently. Sean, thanks so much for joining us here uh, once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks, Fran. Appreciate it. All right, so great stuff there from Sean's side. Now, I mentioned we would have some analysis from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. I couldn't squeeze all of their analysis into Eagles game plan. We had a lot to say about this Thursday night football game, but I saved it all for you here. Here's some of the, uh, the stuff on the cutting room floor from the Eagles game plan crew. Well, Greg, last week they played against a very smart defensive mind. Do you think Jalen Hurts saw similar types of things last week in the matchup that kind of hampered or slowed up the production of this offense? Yeah, I think, you know, when you play a Bill Belichick team, as you know, Q, it's, it's, this, you get the same kind of thing. You get a lot of different personnel packages, a lot of different looks. It's not always the same post snap as it is before the snap of the ball. I think last week the weather was a factor as well. We saw them come out running the ball. I think Gainwell had six carries on the first series, 13 plays before the field goal. So again, 
it, it becomes a mental game when you play Brian Flores because what he shows you before the snap of the ball, and every quarterback wants to feel, as you guys know, like you know this having played defense, every quarterback wants to feel before the snap of the ball, they've got a good read on the defense. Yeah, But Goddard is so good. He really you is. you got to get his hands on the football. You know, you look at the top tight ends. If he's not in the top three, he's certainly in the top five. And you also look at DeAndre Swift coming back home to Philly. Nick is cognizant of the fact that he only had two touches in the first game. Can he gain well? He got most of the carries and the touches. Do you expect to see a little bit more of an evening and out uh, in the second game? This is somewhat of a good problem to have, right? If you're Nick Sirianni and you're Brian Johnson, right. the offensive brain trust of this team, when you have the weaponry that they have, it's going to be difficult from week to week to get everybody involved in trade. So I, I would say this. You don't go out of your way to try to force the ball to players. I think you let things come to you naturally. That's what Jalen does a great job of, not forcing the football. He goes sometimes where the defense sort of dictates. But it's important that the players – keep their head mentally into the game and be prepared when those opportunities come. Who do you have to really watch out for if you're the Eagles offensive line? You've got Daniil Hunter coming back. And we saw Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. They had big challenges in New England with the pass rushes. Well, that's where you start at, Daniil Hunter. I mean, he is their best pass rusher. Ten and a half sacks last year. He's probably going to be matched up over Lane Johnson the majority of the night. That's a one-on-one matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing. Because Lane, if not the best tackle in football, he's certainly one of the best tackles. And I'm saying left or right. He's one of the best tackles in all of football. This is the type of matchup you want to go up against because it's iron sharpening iron. And that's what you're going to get, Hunter versus Johnson. Well, and when you look at what they're going to do defensively, Brian Flores, their defensive coordinator, he does a lot of exotic things. You know, he comes from that Bill Belichick tree. He knows a lot of football. This is not the defense that they saw last year. They're going to see a lot of things. I watched a couple of the plays from their game last week, and, you know, they'll line up at the line of scrimmage and they'll pepper that A-gap as if they're going to come into that A-gap. They back off and they drop into coverage. They do a lot of different things. And on the offensive line, you really have to have your head and your wits about you just to know exactly what they're doing because pre-snap, it's not going to be post-snap. And I tell you, going up against New England last week, I think it's going to help this team prepare for this Minnesota defense. You mentioned Brian Flores. He is a disciple of Bill Belichick. He likes to do a lot of the same things. The sub packages, dime, nickel, extra DBs out there giving you different looks. I think on a short week, when you don't have a lot of time to go deep into your playbook to game plan for the next opponent, it helps that you face somewhat of a familiar foe when you're looking at the philosophy. So what they faced last week in New England, they're going to get a lot of that similar stuff versus the Vikings. I love that point you just made. I absolutely love that. And a couple Eagles players said that Bill Belichick disguised up until the very last second, and that was the key. They held on to the disguises for a long time, so they got good practice going into this home opener against the Vikings. All right, and let's switch gears to the running game because you saw the Vikings without Dalvin Cook. Didn't run the ball that well. The Eagles did a great job against the run in New England, what matchup are you looking forward to here? The Eagles trying to stop the Vikings run. Well, when you look at the Eagles' interior defensive line, that's where they're going to make their hay as far as stopping the run. Yeah. Those big boys up the middle, that is a no-run zone for any football team. New England basically abandoned the run game up the middle this past week. And I don't expect Minnesota to have a ton of success there. I just think when you look at the size and the strength of our guys up front and how we play getting off of blocks, that advantage in most of these matchups are going to go to the Eagles. I thought Kirk Cousins had a lot of problems last week 
and just trying to run his offense because they were able to get so much pressure on him. I think the Vikings offense is one that's going to struggle a little bit coming out of the gate. Wes Phillips is now their offensive coordinator. There's going to be a lot of adjusting that they're going to have to do to just get this thing in motion. If the Eagles defensively are able to slow down the passing attack and force Kirk Cousins to hold on to the football just a little bit longer, it's going to really benefit. If they're able to get to Jefferson and make sure that the ball doesn't come out quickly, I think this defensive front will get to Cousins. And when they throw the ball, listen, we have to be able to defend the middle of the field. I thought that's where Mac Jones had a lot of success last week. Look out for TJ Hawkinson this week. Yep. You know, because you saw Hunter Henry had some success catching the ball against us in the middle of the field. That's what we have to shore up our defense and our tackling is that middle of the field. Those are the easy throws that these quarterbacks can make. And it's tough sledding trying to throw the ball against Slay and Bradbury on the outside. So where do you try to make your bones? It's down the hashes. And that's where TJ Hawkinson or when they move Justin Jefferson in the slot or Jordan Addison, that's where I could see the Vikings sort of working. So as a defense we have to be ready for that. How big of a concern is it that N'Kobe Dean is going to miss some time? And he was the quarterback of the defense calling the plays. Yeah, and I feel bad for N'Kobe because I know he's worked his butt off this offseason. He wants to show that he can play at this level, and I believe he can. He just got to be able to stay healthy out there. But when you put a guy like Christian Ellis out there who's smart, who's tough, who's going to play fast, I like that I saw the coach Desai sent him on a few linebacker pressures mm-hmm. last week. You're going to get him with Zach Cunningham. They're going to have to do the job of working the middle. We talked about stopping the run. Well, the big boys up front, if they do the job at the line of scrimmage, our linebackers have to be able to scrape and get to the football. Well, I also like the fact that Reed Blankenship really looked like a player. You know, there's been questions about the safety position. Well, they used him in a lot of different areas. He even blitzed a few times. It was He was picked up on the blitz, but they realized that he can do a lot of things. So he's in on a lot of tackles and uh, going forward, he's going to be a big key to this defense. And the thing I like about adding guys like Reed Blankenship to, to your rush package or your linebackers, they don't always have to get home. Yeah, they did that's the quarterback. right. All they're really doing is they take up a blocker, yeah. and now you allow the other guys to be one-on-one. So whether it's Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, you got Hassan Reddick on the outside, Josh Sweat. We saw a lot of those pressures last week yeah. against Mac Jones. Well, a lot of that came from bringing that fifth guy into the rush package. That's such a key factor. If you're able to get your key guys that you know can win one-on-one, by doing things like that, you know you're going to get one of these guys that you know in his matchup he's going to win. That's so important. Be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. Special time this week with a short week. It's up digitally on Thursday across all Philadelphia Eagles channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, we've got Thursday morning, 11.30 a.m. on NBC10 or 7 p.m. before the game. So have some dinner, watch Eagles Game Plan, get ready for the matchup, 7 p.m. on NBC10. But like I said, you can check it out on the Eagles mobile app and PhiladelphiaEagles.com as well. That should be up on Thursday morning before the game. So great stuff there from the Eagles Game Plan crew. Thanks to all of them and thanks to all all of you out there for your support here of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And for everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.